Welcome to The Bridge, fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm originally from California and now living in beautiful Beijing. With me today is Bebe. Yes. Hi. And also in Beijing. Well, welcome, Jason. Back to Beijing. Beijing, 欢迎你. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really nice to be back. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Our guest we're having on today, his name is Rick Fakhri. He is a 10-year English high school teacher in America. We're going to talk about the, is there a teacher crisis in America? Welcome to the show, Rick. Hi, Rick. How are you? Thank you very much for having me. I'm good. Thank you for asking. 10 years as a high school teacher? My respect. My respect. It's not an easy job. Thank you. Because <laughs> um, I, I, uh, I went to high school in the States. And um, sometimes I feel mm-hmm. um, not really sorry for, for teachers, but I realize such a hard job. It's such a hard job. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And teachers crisis. Uh, that's kind of new for me. Well, if you don't mind, I wanted to just talk about an article that I found. This is uh, Yahoo.com. 12 public school workers told us why they left their jobs. And honestly, no wonder there's a national teacher shortage. And this is an interview of several teachers explaining why they have chosen to leave the profession. So some of them uh, mentioned different kinds of reasons, but there are some threads throughout them. Mm. A lot of it has to do with like being treated impolitely by parents is a huge part of it. And another big part is underfunding or uh, not being paid enough, and maybe student loans con- contrasting with their pay, things like that. Rick, you recently left being a school teacher uh, for the job that you had. Is that correct? That's right. But you're going to continue in school teaching in a different way, yes? Um, you know, I I will um, continue to teach, but right now, let's just say I'm on mm-hmm. hiatus. So what were some of the challenges that you feel were difficult about your profession that may have led to some other people throughout the U.S. uh, leaving that kind of profession behind? Yeah, it's a big question, to be honest. Something like that is it's so difficult to pin down to one thing. I think a lot of it is because so many things are related to others. So, for example, you mentioned like, you know, being mistreated by parents. But, you know, that a lot of that comes down to, you know, you're in the classroom, you're talking with students and um, they misbehave. So your first option as a teacher would be, well, you know, uh, well, let me just talk to the parents and see what happens. They theoretically would, you know, oh, be right mm-hmm. on top of it and say, oh, I'm sorry, they disrespect you. But, but, but a lot of times what happens is the parents then take the side of the kid and you're left uh, feeling frustrated, feeling helpless. And, you know, things like that really makes teacher's question, like me, question, uh, is mm-hmm. it really worth it? So would you say that most you parents know. have your back when you're talking about, like, say, you're like, oh, well, little Billy's not doing his homework and mom's like, well, I'll talk to Billy. Or do you find that it's, is it a small amount of parents that ha- you have challenge that are challenging or is it a, a lot uh, of them? It's very difficult to pin down like a percentage, but I will say this, that a lot of the students who misbehave, they come from families where the parents wouldn't be res- responsive. You know what I'm saying? You know, the, the good kids that you don't have trouble with, 
you don't really speak with those parents mm-hmm. much. So you're only talking with the parents. Uh, you're not, you know, you're giving compliments to the mm-hmm. good kids and, and their parents. But when you talk about behavioral issues, sometimes you'll talk to the parents and then you'll say, oh, I, I see why. Oh. And that's kind of an underlying issue wow. as well. Um, Rick, so are there many reasons that you're quitting your teaching job? Uh, can you tell us a few? Yeah, okay. I'll try to um, create like a, a hierarchy of, you know, reasons. Like mm. one of the reasons that a lot of people mention is is pay. Mm-hmm. But that's not it's not that big a deal if going to the job and you're getting paid less also are mistreated by society in a way. You know, what I mean, you're looked down upon as the job is easy. Hmm. You get underappreciated and they overload you with work. You know, a lot of people think you go to school, you hmm. you teach the classes and you're done. But for teachers, the majority of the work is hmm. often done like in the summer or after school grading or, you know, on your on your break time, calling parents or a lot of teachers also have, uh, well, second jobs outside of school, but um, other school responsibilities, like you have to be in the hallway to observe to make sure no accidents or fights happen. You you might be asked Mm. as a, a newer teacher, you might be asked to coach. And although you do get a stipend for that, you'll get a little money. Mm. It's so demanding because, you know, you're scheduling games, mm. you're talking to other coaches, you're, you're building a team, you're after school. And so some teachers don't get home till very late at night. Mm. So how many hours a week would you say that the average teacher at the high school that you worked at worked? Is it obviously it's more than 40, it sounds like. Yeah, I would say, well, we're the required amount of time is be there at 730, leave at 330. Mm-hmm. But I never really saw teachers leave at 330. Mm-hmm. It's very rare. And uh, me being an English teacher, I was constantly grading. You know, I had to grade more than the math teacher because a math teacher, it's just a little easier. Mm. Uh, I wouldn't say easier, but less time consuming to grade the math assignments compared to grade. Yeah. yeah. So hmm. so um, when I leave, let's say it's five or six o'clock at night. But it depends. Did I have a big assignment due? You know, but uh, four thirty, five thirty is common. And on big days, it's, um, you know, big assignments would be longer. And a lot of teachers, actually, it's misleading because they take the work home. Now, everything, Mm. like, for example, a lot of uh, the work is submitted electronically. So you go home and you work on your laptop at home and you grade the papers that way. Before, I used to take home the actual papers. One thing that really scared me, to be honest, um, and made me worry more and more Mm -hmm. was technology in the classroom. Mm. But what I mean by that is um, getting kids... Mm off of their phone Mm. was a massive struggle because, you know, things, Mm -hmm. their attention span seems to be shorter. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here's an example from Mm -hmm. a science teacher. So in the past, a science teacher told me he would do an experiment that's very uh, engaging, you know, like something blows up or whatever. (laughs) And past the students would be um, enthralled Mm -hmm. by this. They'd be like, wow, that's amazing. And then he would get their attention and teach them a lesson. Now the students mm-hmm. don't really care that much. They they see it and they just say, "Well, let's do it again." Mm-hmm. And they say, mm-hmm. "Well, let me show you how it works." And they don't care. You know, they mm. they just you know they have that short attention span. So, for example, I'm going to read the, a novel. <laughs> I mean, they first of all they don't want to read, much less read a novel. So, a lot mm-hmm. of schools and teachers are sh- um, moving over to like short stories or other things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So huh. to to accommodate that the attention span of the student. Yeah, yeah, and. And you don't get that deeper thought. You don't mm. get the deeper discussions. I mean, you can do it with short stories uh, to some extent. But even if you're, let's say, spending 40 minutes in class reading a story in the past, that might have been done at home. And then in the classroom would have been the discussion. Mm. But it's so hard to get them to do the work at home. That's the uh, it's kind of a different issue. Mm. But. 
you know, just all together, all of the culminating mm. factors build up into something difficult. That's probably across the society, too. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking at one of the graphics that we sent out. It shows that California has a deficit of about 15,000 teachers, Illinois, 6,000 teachers, Texas, 8,000 teachers, Florida, 5,000 teachers, New York, 6,000 teachers. What are some of the guesses that you have, Rick, about why that's the case if it's not really pay? Uh, it's, it's that combination because what happens is this. Let's say I don't get paid too much, but I have a uh, a degree from a university, right? Even if it's just a bachelor, some some states require masters like New York and Oregon and stuff like that. Mm. So so you have a degree, you have higher education and your um, people that graduated from the same school as you, they're the same age as you, they're making much more. So you, they the response is, well, you get the summer off and that's fine to some extent, but it doesn't quite work. Well, you know, California, there's there's a shortage of teachers by 15,000. You know, I see a lot of statistics about a lot of different topics when we're preparing for these shows. That doesn't actually seem like a lot, but 15,000 teachers spread out across a high, I don't even know how many schools in California. Did your school specifically, did you ever have a problem filling spaces? Absolutely. Filling positions? Absolutely. Yeah, yes. I, I did because our school is uh, in a small town. So it's already mm. more difficult to get teachers here because there's, you know, not enough mm. uh, a population to draw from. But what we found was very difficult as well was finding subs. So that would be another issue. So let's say one reason a lot of teachers might leave is they feel guilty for taking a day mm. off. You know, so it's stress. I'll, I'll give you an uh. example um, of why some teachers may have left. They they just feel overworked. They feel so stressed. They're putting in so many hours. And then when you go, if you want to take a day off, you actually sometimes requires more work than just going to work. So let's say you feel a little sick. You have to actually prepare for me. I had I taught mm. four separate classes per day, mm, you right. know, four separate types of lessons. I taught 9, 10, 11 and 12th grade. Yeah. So I had to create four separate lessons that a sub could teach that they could understand, teach mm. the students. And then I would come back the next day in grade. So it became very difficult to take a day off because you'd have to plan mm -hmm. for lessons, you know, and then imagine taking multiple days off or taking a day off unexpectedly. So yeah. most of the time, like um, there were years when I just never took a day off, except, you know, well, I, have an, I have a follow up question on that. What happens to the school if a teacher legitimately cannot come in for some reason and there's no sub? Yeah. What um, happens to that class, to those students? I think what the principal is technically, you know, they are qualified to observe the class. You know, they have a credential. Also, they would get um, maybe the teacher who's on break, you know, each like you have one class period where you're allowed to prepare your lessons uh, and things. So they would alternate. Mm. So you would have one teacher's so third period is the science teacher comes into the English class and then the fourth period, the PE teacher comes in and, you know, like that. I have, an, I have another graphic. It's from the University of Pennsylvania. I sent this out to you guys. It says that 15 percent of teachers, they leave teaching because of retirement. And that on, on the other end of the spectrum, which means, yeah, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of re other reasons. Mm. So that has a bunch of different reasons here. School staffing action, pursuing other jobs, family and personal. It says 48 percent dissatisfaction. So um, at least in California, that in Rick's case, that pay is a problem is as much about parents. So what does this dissatisfaction come from? So it comes from like the stress of the job, uh, overworking, not being able to take a day off. Are there Are there other factors as well? Uh, it's it's really complicated because when you say dissatisfaction, there's lots of different facets. So, for example, let's say you're a teacher and you are a master of your particular subject. Uh, on the one hand, you may mm. feel dissatisfaction because 
the students are not engaged, you know, and the material, although interesting, and you're presenting it in a way that is interesting and it worked in the past, just may not work with this group of students mm -hmm. or as as the years progress, mm -hmm. gets further away. But on the other hand, mm. you might see the administration, the test scores are low or the grades are low and the students aren't putting in the work, let's say, in, in a particular class. Mm -hmm. The principal, the administrator often blames the teacher. Mm. They said, well, you didn't make the lesson interesting enough. You didn't mm. uh, create something that got their attention. Mm. And so really you're placing a lot of the burden on the teacher to create uh, a system where the students perform well even if they don't put in the effort. Mm -hmm. And that causes a lot of frustration. Well, I have a question. Uh, this is not in the mm -hmm. list of questions I sent for the show, but I know that a lot of teachers in the past, at least in media, have complained about teaching to a test or teaching to test, teaching to yes. test. Is, is that a problem in English teaching in California today? Yeah, I, I think that it's not necessarily a problem in that you're not hired or fired based on your students' test scores. However, it can be very difficult because it is often and how the school is judged and how you're judged and your evaluations may be. So even though, let's say you're a teacher, you're successful, um, you may uh, be pressured by an administrator or, um, you know, let's say you have a meeting and this says, well, the numbers in the reading and writing on the standardized test we just took are very low, you know, or if it's math, the math scores are very low. So that math teacher is then, you know, maybe pressured to change things up, even though, what they're doing is effective. And and also, we don't know, maybe they came to the class from, you know, the previous mm. years being low. So it's it's very difficult. So a lot of the um, decisions on, on how to teach often revolve around these test scores. Yeah, and it can be very frustrating because that's definitely not what interests students. If I was to say, here, we're going to read a story, we're going to learn, we're going to talk, that's at least more interesting than, hey, we're going to practice for a ABCD test. Five hundred years ago, an old man rode on his buffalo and headed west of China. Before he vanished into the wild, he left behind a book of 5,000 words, which for the next two and a half millennia would have shaped the Chinese way of thinking. Subscribe to the sayings of Lao Tzu and find out why generals with wisdom yield after winning the ultimate battle and how staying behind just might help you get ahead of others. The Sayings of Lao Tzu is available on all major podcast platforms. You're listening to The Bridge. You previously taught at a um, an academy in South Korea, actually two different ones in Seoul and one in Gwangju. Uh, so I was wondering if you could talk, talk not necessarily about the curriculum, but about the students themselves. How would you say students in South Korea, um, how are how is their engagement versus students in, in California? I would say that the students were just more motivated to learn. And they they definitely for, actually taught younger students in Korea than in uh, California. And I found that they often were just more eager mm. and more optimistic, more upbeat, more ready to learn. And, mm. and, I, and I had very few behavior problems. Do you think that was because of their age or because of cultural differences? It probably is a mix of both. So maybe younger kids are more engaged before they get to like pubescence or something and everything changes for them? Yeah. It's possible. It is true. And actually a, a phenomenon that occurs in America often is the students, when they first arrive, 
I learned this from English as second language learners. When the students don't know much English and they're in separate classes, they're very eager to learn English. They're very interested and they feel it's a great opportunity. Once they have started to master the language and they're being slowly transitioned into just general education classes, Mm -hmm. they often feel like their education is complete, that they're acceptable, and they don't try as hard as they used to. Could you elaborate on that a little better? Hmm. I don't think I understood the first time that you said it. Okay, well, basically what I have learned from English language teachers is that when immigrants come to America and the students don't know English well, Mm -hmm. they work harder. And once Mm. they've kind of got enough skill under their belt to advance to regular general education classes, Mm -hmm. they no longer have that same motivation they did when they first got here. So do you have experience teaching uh, ESL students in California that have come into your English class? Definitely. I think um, it's part of the credential program that you have to um, be prepared to teach students who don't speak English as their first language. Well, that's really interesting. So you find that when they're struggling at the beginning, that they're more motivated to try hard. And when later, when they're doing better, they're less motivated. Yeah, they feel like they have more skill. They slack off a little more. They no longer, um, maybe also they don't see the point of maybe getting an A, maybe they feel like they can't. So they just go for what they can get. And also they, they're more socialized. So their social world opens up now that they can speak English mm. that, you know, so maybe they're, and also they're getting a little older. So they're going higher and they're, they're more distracted. Like maybe school's not the thing that is their number one focus any longer. Let's go back to the challenge of the crisis. If I, we want to call it that, maybe it's not a crisis. Having teachers available for schools in the United States. What if as a a former teacher, or I guess you're still a teacher, um, what solutions would you offer if you could tweak the system so that it would be easier for teachers to stay in their positions or to attract new teachers? Yeah, that's really difficult because on the one hand, um, teachers uh, need to be very qualified. They, I, I don't like take. I don't like the idea of taking a shortcut and throwing an adult in the classroom when they're not ready, mm. because that's going to be a recipe for a one or two year teacher, and then they're done. Mm. So I think one of the main issues, mm. I, not attracting but retention, retention and keeping teachers, mm-hmm. maybe having like um, some sort of not necessarily a training program, but more support. Mm-hmm. Um, I give you know, for example, a lot of times you know, let's say I I have a degree in English. I go to the classroom after getting my credential and I never was really, uh, you know, on my own, I learned how to deal with behaviors and everybody's personality is different. Some teachers are more authoritarian. Some teachers are more <laughs> laid back. And um, over time, you develop as a teacher and you learn how what works and what doesn't. I think mm-hmm. supporting that style and supporting the development of teachers and how to interact better with students mm-hmm. may lead to more retention. So behavior management is where you think better yeah. retention could come from. Definitely. But the issue is you're definitely going to need to support the teacher because, you know, what happens is if a student and teachers and parents are having a conflict, um, oftentimes the teacher's the one mm. that's uh, blamed first. Ba- baby, you have a uh, a nine-year-old daughter, is that right? Uh, she's going on eight. Going on eight. Yeah. What, what happens when one of her your daughter's teachers comes to you and says an improvement needs to be made? Do you usually side with the teacher? Well, I guess we find out why it happens. I don't really consider it a siding issue, you know? I don't really think of siding. If a teacher says something, then, you know, it happened in school, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then we find out why 
I happened, especially for first graders. I mean, she was in first grade. So, it, you know, in most cases, there will be behavioral problems and mm. you this expected. And, you know, we talked to her and we talked mm. to the teacher mm. and, you know, slowly it would improve. So but I do have questions I want to ask Rick. And at, at the beginning, you know, when you were telling us about some of the reasons why um, you, you know, want to stop teaching is that you were you feel like sometimes you were mistreated by the society. What does that mean? What do you mean mistreated by the society? Sure. I'll give you some examples. Um, a, a good example would for me would be if I said that uh, I was a teacher. A lot of people would say, oh, wow, wow, you must have a lot of patience. While, you know what I mean? You, 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 <laughs> That's what I think, yeah. too. <laughs> but, yeah. but when you watch TV, you, you feel like there's a war on teachers. Hmm. You know I mean, hmm. when you watch TV, you'll see... You'll see certain um, television programs that discuss the teachers that go on strike for more pay as being greedy. What? Or when COVID hit in California, well, and across the country, a lot of schools shut down and they said the teachers are lazy and they don't want to work. Oh, wow. Okay. That's not yeah. very nice. And you know, uh, Jason, when you were asking me about siding, do I side with teachers or students? Actually, hmm. I don't think that's even an issue of um, much of a discussion in most cases here in China, <laughs> because I mean, mm. cultural wise in general, uh, teachers are so respected. It's a very respected mm. profession. Um, and that, that has been the case probably ever since Confucius, you know, like thousands of yeah, years ago. I was going to say that actually, I was waiting for a window for that exact conversation. In in China, there's a saying that and it sounds, it probably, well, you know, sounds too exaggerated for you. It, it means if someone has been your teacher for a day, you know, you respect him as your father for the rest of your life. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. One thing you'll have to uh, think about as well is what job in America where as soon as you get out of school and maybe you take a, a, um, a year to get a credential in certain states mm -hmm. and now you're now you're boom, you're in the classroom. So maybe uh, 22, 23, 24 years old. Mm. So you're, you're quite young. I think, I think that has a lot to do with when I saw when uh, Jason had mentioned that only 15% of teachers uh, exit via retirement. I think that might have a lot to do with it. Because imagine you mm. work for 30 years as a teacher. You haven't even reached retirement. You haven't even reached 60 yet. You know, after I, uh, I, after I became a mom, um, I realized even more how special this profession is and how important it is to have uh, responsible mm. and capable teachers. I mean, we're literally, mm. you know, um, sending our kids <laughs> the most important part of our lives uh, to to someone, right? Uh, teachers in, in the school for most of the day. That responsibility is probably the, you know, other professions will not share. Yeah, it's a very heavy responsibility. Well, I live in a small town. My class sizes were pretty good, maybe a maximum of about 25. But it, when I mm -hmm. was in Southern California, like student teaching, it was very common to have 30 or more students in the classroom in high school. As you get lower, it's a little less, mm -hmm. but maybe 20, you could still have 20 or 30 kids. Mm. But what they would do often is they try to offset it by maybe having another adult. So if you had an elementary school classroom and you had a overloaded students, you'd have the teacher and then you'd have a teacher's aide. And that would allow theoretically more students to be in there. Well, when I was in, uh, was it like primary school in China? I, 
and also in um, junior high. I remember we had 56 kids in my yeah. class. Right. That was for junior high. Wow. So even now, when I look back, <laughs> and I, you know, I'm still in contact with some of my uh, teachers from primary and um, uh, junior high. Uh, when I look back, I appreciate their efforts even more. I still remember one time I, I already went home at the end of the day, and it was getting dark. And I, I lived so close to the school that I could see my teacher's office. And um, from the the balcony, and I remember this time I you know was just like chilling on the balcony, and I saw my math teacher still grading, and it was getting dark outside, and she still had like a whole stack to go through. Mm. I mean that's what thirty over thirty years ago, but I remember thinking at that time about wow I'm already home, but um, <laughs> Miss like teacher Yu is still there, and she'll be there for, right. for probably over an hour. I so I guess this mentality uh, in China is we know we understand that it's a hard job does not just take technical skills or knowledge but also you know passion uh, patience and just this love um, for children yeah and definitely I was gonna say um, another thing about class sizes is often for example in California a contract would state you teach maybe 180 or 200 kids a day so you'd have so many classes. Mm. So that was and that when you were saying the teacher, you saw him grading papers late into the night. Right. Imagine if you have mm -hmm. if you have 200 or let's say even just 100 kids a day, which is way less than most teachers have. And you and you're a writing teacher and you want them to write a paragraph. You're reading 100 paragraphs a day. Wow. That That's yes. that's a crazy amount of reading. I wanted to actually ask something a little bit different. We're only been focusing on the negative to some extent about Rick's uh, experience as a teacher. What were some of the things that you love? about being a teacher, not, you know, your ideas before being a teacher, but actually during the experience of teaching, what were some of the positives that you got out of that, that experience? Uh, a lot of the, the positives that I got out of the class were just the interactions with students when they get it, you know, it's a, it's a great feeling. You know, that's why people go into teaching in the first place. You know, you'll teach something and then a kid will say, oh, I never thought of that or, oh, I didn't see it that way. And, you know, and hmm. uh, showing them an alternate perspective or reading a book. You know, you pick a particular book. A lot of the kids say, oh, I hate reading. I don't like that book. And then you see them next year and they say, oh, I love that book. <laughs> you know, something like that. You know, that was that's cool. So what have been some of not just short stories, but what were some of the uh, books that you've read that you had a really positive experience teaching? I think one that I really like and I remember was uh, because it's just so memorable was Animal Farm, uh, you know, by George Orwell. I remember reading that in high school. Yeah. At the very end of the book, you know, there's that one phrase, you know, some animals, uh, all animals are equal and some animals are more more equal mm. than others. And and the kid didn't get it. <laughs> and, and so I, I just I've just made a simple analogy like, you know, what if uh, you got arrested and then a rich kid got arrested? Are you going to have the same lawyer? You both get a lawyer. And he goes, oh, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it's like a light bulb went off. Yeah. Now I get it. Yeah. yeah. So I right. And it was really cool. And also the, the hardest reason. Mm. It's one reason I think mm. a lot of teachers, including myself, you know, debate whether or not we're going to leave the classroom because it's so hard once you develop these relationships with students, you almost feel like you're abandoning your family in a way. You're abandoning these kids. You know, you remind me of uh, a video I saw, and I think it was during the early part of the pandemic <laughs> and when there were still debates about um, whether or not kids and, you know, should wear masks and other things that were making 
teaching even more complicated um, and also pressure from an administration and all that. And one of the teacher that was being interviewed, she said something like this. Um, she's like, teaching or education is like marriage. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's, it's what's funny you say that because that exact same analogy was used when I was debating whether or not I wanted to leave. Mm. And uh, I have a coworker who was not in the same situation as me. He had already transferred to another school. And he said, yeah, but you wouldn't stay in an abusive relationship Aww. just for the other person. Aww. So, wow. he, you know, so it can be very similar to that where you feel like you're putting in all the work mm. and you're not getting anything wow. out of it. I mean, it. it's probably not an easy decision for, for us to leave any job, right? Yeah, Did it take you a lot of time to decide? Like, have you been debating for a while? Yeah. And, and, and I know a lot of other teachers as well that would consider leaving, but they don't know what else to do. You know, they don't have mm. it doesn't transfer well. You know, a math teacher, an English teacher, a science teacher, there's certain things we can do. Maybe an English teacher can do some professional writing mm -hmm. or a, a math teacher can work as an accountant or something. Mm. But it's not easy to transition and find a job. But a lot of teachers that I have uh, talked to have found success in the private sector, oh. you know, just transferring. Right. They feel they feel so private mm. schools. Well, no, no. I mean, private sector, like moving into a regular business job mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because they feel um, more respected because when you get to I, I think one thing, a lot of teachers feel like they're treated like like kids, mm. you know, you know, by the administration. You you go to a meeting and, and they just treat you as if you're just another kid. And so when you get to a regular class, a regular job, you just feel like an adult again. best military commander is not he who fights a hundred battles and wins every one of them. The best military strategy does not lead to the desiccation of the enemy's capital city. Decoding the art of war will help you understand why there's no art in war and how Xunzi stayed undefeatable using the science of war with fun stories and insightful breakdown of famous battles. Tune in to Decoding the Art of War on Spotify. You're listening to The Bridge. I'd like to actually do some comparison here. I was a school teacher here in uh, China, mm. Rick. I only taught kindergarten. So literally my kids are like mm. five and six years old. Mm -hmm. We would do parent-teacher conferences twice a year. Mm. And when the parents came in, they would come in, I would use the term hat in hand, <laughs> kind of like very humbly sit down and listen to me like I was some sort of an expert. <laughs> so I had to really prepare well because like they expected a lot from me. Mm. And they would ask me really intense academic, behavioral, psychological <laughs> questions about how am I supposed to deal with every aspect of the rainbow of my child's behavior and their future? Mm. What university are they going to go to? Right. What are your interactions like with your parents when you're mm. having similar uh, parent teacher conferences? Do they show a lot of respect to you in those circumstances? Well, the parents that come into the school are and, you know, they're the, they're the ones that are, you know, interested in learning about their kids, about the educational process. They're the ones that kind of see that this is a path for them to mm. advance you know, in their, in the strategy. Right, because of you're in a high school scenario, like you could potentially be giving like letters Correct. of recommendation for universities that they could attend I, and things like that. Well, you were saying sure. that the parents who came to the parent conference, you know, of course, pay more attention to their kids' education. I mean, like, are parent conferences in California optional? <laughs> I thought these are like 
you know, you have to attend, right? You're, yeah. Uh, in Chinese, we call hui, like every year, maybe once or twice, all the parents are um, asked to go to the school um, and there would be a meeting and the teachers would tell parents, you know, what's going on. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, that's my experience. We would have like business mogul CEOs <laughs> and stuff who would have to like take the day off from work to come talk to me. Yes, it's definitely <laughs> even. And as a parent, uh, like when I know my kids are doing well, I don't really want to go to the parent teacher conferences myself. I already get it. My kid's doing great. You know, or in, and <laughs> honestly, um, the the optional nature of it, it, it really attracts two kinds of parents. It, it attracts the parents who are on top of their kids, the ones that you said, you know, later they're going to get home and have a talking to, <laughs> you know, the, the ones that those kids always get A's and the parents are never satisfied. You get the really that one oh. and you get the other end where the kids are failing everything and the parents are actually coming in to ask us what to do about it. I've had I've had um, conversations with parents where I've said, your kid, my student, they're not doing any of the work. You know, we're doing it in class. Mm. I'm telling them to write this, write that. They're not doing it. And then the parent says, I know I tried. I don't know what to do. Do you have any suggestions? Well, what are your suggestions in those case, Rick? In the uh, it's I, I don't want to be I don't want to be rude. You know, I don't want to I don't want to be. <laughs> Hard. Well, let's not. We won't say. Well, it was little Billy. You know, we could just. Say. <laughs> no, I. I'm just saying. I don't want to tell the parent, "Hey, figure it out." You know what I mean? You're the parent. Do your job or something like that. Because mm. that's not. That's mm. not really. You know, every kid is different. Especially by the time they're in high school, they're practically an adult. You know, right. they are a lot their own person. And there's not. Sometimes you'll have a kid that they're very smart and they just will not do work. And I think it, a lot has to do with they don't see school as uh, a stepping stone to any of their success. They just want to get out and go to work and make money. Hmm. You know, they don't care at all because uh, to them, just working minimum wage is is uh, and having some money, a little bit of money is like real money to them. They don't know yet. They don't know the real cost, hmm. so, you know, and I would say that that's one of the hmm. bigger issues that we have. You know, when when we talk about uh, the, the teacher frustration, things like that, that was one thing that I noticed was a lot of the problems that students had, the teachers would be frustrated because you can't solve it. Hmm. A kid, you know, let's say they uh, one thing, a kid would come to school and they're hungry. You can't buy food for every kid. Hmm. You know, they're not going to listen. They're not going to learn. They're not paying attention. They're hmm. hungry. Hmm. And you could fix the problem by giving them food, but you can't do that for every kid. Hmm. And so the, you know, so a lot of the issues come down to things like that, where it's outside your control, but you're asked to make the kid pay attention when really there's an underlying issue that you can't deal with. So basically there is a lot of frustration outside mm. the teaching aspect of the job, right? That you've been experiencing. Well, just generally speaking, I would say that a lot of the problems with society they put on the teacher similar to in America with police. It's the same mm. thing where there's a domestic dispute and you need a therapist, but then instead they send a mm. cop. There's a kid with a behavior problem uh, or actually they just need to be babysat after school, but instead they put them in an after school program, mm. you know, or they have the, you know, so, so a lot of the things come down to how do I describe just overloading whatever uh, problem there is mm. with whatever's available. Mm whoever's available. So if it's the teacher, you fix it. I mean, I've heard stories where the kid misbehaved, the teacher called hmm. uh, home and the parents said, when they're at school, they're your problem. Oh gosh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's not very pleasant. <laughs> oh yeah. Welcome to My Stories of Chinese Characters, season two. I'm Uncle Han Si. This season... 
we'll travel to different destinations and experience the different sceneries throughout the year. This season, we will taste delicious foods. Delicious, how sure. Feel the delicacy of Chinese silk. Some people say that this is the world's first computer because each one of these is an instruction. And enjoy the local architectures. Yes, it's a big house. Chanzhou's Wuzhou. We will feel a sense of camaraderie on the slow train. And feel the excitement of the snowfields. I'm Uncle Han Zi. This season, we will take you to see a different China from the perspective of Chinese characters. Meet us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and other major podcast platforms, or on our website, radio.cgtn.com. You're listening to The Bridge. I want to talk a little bit about violence. Not, you know, this is a huge topic. I don't want to go into every bit of it. Sure. You know, I know in big cities or at least places where there are socioeconomic difficulties, that violence can be an issue. And I'm not talking about like the mass shooting stuff. That's not where I'm going with this. I mean, just like general uh-huh. aggression from from especially from high school students. I would imagine this is less a problem in lower yeah. age, younger ages. But do you you work in like a small town, right? Like a small, you know. Right, but there there's still been fights at school. Yeah. How do teachers deal with that? Does this happen in class or is this like out on the um, field? Well, yeah. In, in every scenario, you you know, you're in a classroom you're in high school. Kids sometimes just, you know, they're emotional. They're not adults yet, you know, and, and kids fight. And as teachers, we've been told we, we really are not supposed to do much because, um, you know, what would happen if two kids were fighting and I got between them? I pulled one away and the other kid hit him. Yeah. Now okay. I could be sued. The school could be sued because I helped the one kid hit the other kid in a way, you know, so you're supposed to not do anything. But who what human is going to just sit there and watch another kid get beat up? It's not going to happen. At least. Well, are the security personnel at the high school able to intervene physically? If you're a security, like if you're hired by the school as a security personnel, yes, by far, they definitely can. But as a teacher, if I'm in the hallway, I don't have time to wait for a security person. Mm-hmm. Somebody to come. So I see two kids fighting. Mm. I would step between. I have stepped between them. Mm. I put my arms out. I said like an like a roadblock. Mm. And you know, and, I, and then other teachers are there, and we separate them. You know, it's not pleasant. Maybe we shouldn't have done that based on the the letter of the law. You know, the rules, but. What are you going to do? So it's it's complicated and it's difficult for teachers because they tell you don't do anything. But anybody with any sympathy at all is going to do something. Like, have you noticed any uh, like differences in the past 10 years in teaching in general? Uh, besides you mentioned like how technology is affecting students uh, attention span. Yes. Or their ability to concentrate on studies. I'd give you a, one of the best examples of how times have changed was in the past in order to prevent kids from fighting and having to deal with stuff, you'd work really hard to make your lesson last all the way to the end of the classroom and the bell. So you'd keep them busy as much as possible because when they had Mm -hmm. that free time, they'd play, they'd argue and all that stuff, you know, and it'd Mm -hmm. be too loud in the class and you'd be so stressed out. Now, um, okay, we finished the lesson a little early today. Uh, You have some Mm -hmm. free time. Often it's dead silent because everybody whips out their phone and not every school is the same. Yeah, some schools- They have phones in school? Um, every school is different. Every district is different, Okay. but, um, even if they don't have phones now, almost every school is issuing them a Chromebook, you know, some sort of laptop so they could just get on that. And, and even if they're not, 
um, doing a classroom assignment, they can still get on, let's say, YouTube or watch videos or, in, you know, uh, do email or mm-hmm. something like that. So it's very common for the electronic devices to come out the second free time is initiated. Mm. And no longer is it the ruckus class. It's now it's just it's silent. And it's a little sad, yeah. to be honest. I have a silly question. I want to get off some of the more serious points. Mm-hmm. You, you know, a lot of people uh-huh. you know, are represented by Hollywood, obviously. So when you watch movies about teaching, now, uh-huh. like, do, do you criticize? like the producer and director's choices for how they represent the classroom or do you find that teaching is fairly accurately represented oh it's it's so different in every class because you know they they like when they show a school it's that typical high school and sometimes it's like that where you know have you seen the movie mean girls no it's a like the high school where there's clicks Mm -hmm. and and uh, you know, there's the the jocks and the nerds and the and 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 when you go to the cafeteria, it could actually be like that. When I was going to school, it was similar to that. You know, everybody was in groups, but now I see it's more mingled together. But one thing I found funny is when you look at the school classroom, they're having like these adult discussions in the class that are more based, like it'd be like a college classroom, yeah, yeah. college level discussions. Mm-hmm. You know. It's always so funny. Maybe it's more interesting for the people watching it, either the adults watching the movie. Right, right. Something that they would talk about. You know, you have visited Beijing. You actually came and saw me. Yes. And your wife is from Beijing. Right. And qualifications <laughs> right? to teach at international schools in China are that you would have a teaching qualification, which is what you have. Right. Have you ever considered teaching abroad again? Because you did formerly teach in, in South Korea. Uh, I did think about teaching, but right now I'm just so Find out. Uh, stable oh. at no, I, I actually, um, my wife has a business and so she's kind of hired me to work. Oh, for her. interesting. <laughs> That's convenient. <laughs> right. The boss. Yeah, yeah. Right. So we're stuck here because, you know, we're stuck Do you to miss that. teaching though? I, I will tell you, there's some things I miss and some things I absolutely mm. don't. Like when we would have the beginning of the year trainings and you'd have to sit through those boring trainings. I always hated those, you know. But then mm. it's always the same every year. Yeah. And um, those things were just terrible. Mm. But other things I, I definitely missed. I definitely missed, honestly, the interactions when you get a good class together, when you get a good mix of students. It's the best. When the conversations flow because mm. the personalities max, you know, they they're, they don't press the limits too much. They might tell a joke that's a little risky, but it's funny enough that it's, you know, mm. uh, age appropriate. The class laughs and and. And then we're still learning. And it's like a the time goes by very fast because everybody's learning and, and, and in a fun way. Mm-hmm. It's really those days are awesome. When you get into the room, you're teaching a lesson and the mm. time flies and the students actually are. Can I ask you a question or a, like a, almost like a request um, for our listeners who are teaching or maybe, you know, who are graduating and thinking about going into the teaching profession? Do you have any suggestions i don't know warnings <laughs> uh, rec- uh tips for them i would say yes depending on the subject because uh for example when i was teaching english i found it was often overwhelming compared to another class mm. however each each field has its own I, I would say this if you're going into teaching you need to question why you're doing it i found that the best teachers are the ones mm. that have the best social interactions and the content knowledge comes second so, for example, 
you don't have to, as an English mm. teacher, you don't have to know every single type of variation of sentence ever made and where a comma goes every time. You can still be wrong mm-hmm. on the grammar on occasion. It's not a big deal. But if you're the kind of person mm. that can admit that and say, oh, I didn't know that. Thanks for correcting me. And it doesn't bother you. Maybe teaching is for you. But if mm. you're the type of person mm. that can't take criticism, doesn't work well with others, but is a genius at math, maybe become a college professor. Mm. You know, <laughs> a lot of it is about the interaction between. Yeah, I you think and the, the students. Right. The ability to teach is more important than knowledge of what you're teaching in a way. Oh, yeah. Dive into the sports world with Sideline Story, our weekly podcast that brings you the most up to date game analysis and news from the latest sports action. Subscribe to Sightline Story on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and wherever you listen to your podcast. Want to learn about world affairs in a more laid-back and accessible manner? Join insiders, experts, and analysts in the casual setting of the chat lounge to hear their personal experiences and opinions on major events and hot issues. Subscribe to Chat Lounge for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're listening to The Bridge. actually brings me to another question. This is a strange kind of question, but it's come up. Hmm. The governor of Florida has recently suggested <laughs> that as opposed to having a bachelor's degree plus a teaching credential, that someone would have an associate's degree plus service in the military what? to be able to... T- uh, yes, yes, I know. this. Is th- yeah. That's why I bring it up. It's very obscure and strange. Yeah. So what do you... I mean, so if it's just about having the right attitude in class, this if a particular service member wanted to uh, enter into the classroom... Would this be a suitable way to patch uh, the the gap between not having enough teachers and filling the spaces? What do you think? I think that it's possible. For, so, for example, let's say in California, you want to be a teacher and there's certain requirements you're still going to have to pass. You know, I mean, not not just the background check, like fingerprints and things like that. But also, um, if you wanted to teach, you're going to have to show content knowledge by taking a test. So a veteran wants to be an English mm-hmm. teacher. Sure. Can is there an English test that they can take to show that at least they have the knowledge, you know, of a certain level? And then on top of that, um, some sort of can they do it for a year where there's a supervisor and a support staff and people that are observing and making sure then? I mean, it is possible because there is this concept that happened in the past when we had teacher shortages where they would throw you in a classroom if you had a bachelor's Mm -hmm. degree and then they would train you on the job. And you would earn your teaching certificate over a period of time. Yeah, Hmm. right. And so it's it's the the potential is there. It's just that it seems so demeaning that some people worked really hard and their whole life they want to be a teacher. And then all of a sudden they're like, hey, anybody else want to be one? <laughs> when you mentioned that you feel like especially young teachers, they need more support, I think, from either from the school system or, or society. Um can you be a little more specific? Like if you were to stay on the job and they would provide you with the support you ask, what would you Ask, oh, you know, from the school. Or- um, I think this is the big deal. So this is a problem where let's say you're teaching 30 kids in a class and you have one or two kids mm. that are talking 
and they're not bad kids. Mm -hmm. And you went and you tell them, hey, can you be quiet? I'm trying to teach a lesson. Mm. And they just keep talking. And then you say, hey, you need to be quiet. I'm trying to, you don't want to be rude. You don't want to alienate them. You don't want, you don't want, you you like them. But Mm. at a certain point, you've had enough. Some teachers would snap and say, get the heck out of my classroom or whatever. I don't know. But, but Mm -hmm. that's where the support really comes in because what would happen is this. Leslie said, look, you two are talking so much. I need you to leave because I need to Mm. teach the rest of the class and you're bringing down their experience. You know, they're here to learn. You guys are off. Right. So that's kind of where the support comes in. When those kids leave the classroom, what happens? That's you. So do they have a place to go? Well, that's what I'm saying. Principal's office. And then the (laughs) next time they return to the class, is the behavior corrected or did the principal say, oh, you guys are just having a bad day. Get back. The teacher's having a bad day too. just get back in there. (laughs) You know, you know what I mean? So so that's the sort of support where you the teacher's trying to learn. They're they're really has they do have the best interest of the classroom Mm -hmm. at heart and they ask some kids to leave. What mm. that that's what support looks like. What happens there? What does the principal do? Mm-hmm. What like, you know, basically do, you're what, asking, allow me to just teach, right? To continue yes. my teaching without all the right. uh, distractions. Okay. Right. Well, could you potentially be could a teacher, if they say get out of the classroom, potentially be training that student that anytime that they want to leave the classroom, all they have to do is be disruptive. And then they don't have to listen to Shakespeare. Correct. And it happens all the time. Okay. Yeah. Kids, uh, like, you know, a great example would be they didn't study for the test, so they act up. What? So they get kicked out, so they don't have to take the test. Oh. You know, if, oh, if the test, wow. okay, it's time for a quiz. Yeah. <laughs> I never thought of that. Right. <laughs> like, but I, I think maybe because here in China, like, if, let's say, two students were talking in class and the teacher has said, like, two or three times that you two stop talking, it would have stopped. You know, the student usually wouldn't, I guess, want to uh, keep provoking the teacher. But I guess, I mean, what, what kind of attitude does it take for the students to keep talking while the, the teacher <laughs> has told you? So, right. I mean, I, I remember my first few months um, studying in uh, the, in high school in America. I mean, I was in shock. And it wasn't just a like a cultural, general cultural shock, because that was when I first arrived in the state in the in the States. But the the attitude of the students was I had never seen anything like that. You know, I see students literally swaggering <laughs> into the classroom. And we had those little individual uh, chairs with a desk surface on it. And they would put up their feet like I th- that's not everybody okay maybe one or two and uh, so they come in with this attitude and then they sit down and sometimes they don't even have a backpack and they put their feet on the desk surface and just lean back and you know maybe chew their pencil if they have one <laughs> and for me I was just like you know this new girl from China sitting in silence just observing in quiet in quietness but actually inside I was just like wow <laughs> <laughs> Wait, where was this in America? It, this was in New Jersey. New Jersey. Yeah. And in, in, inside I was like, wow, this is the US? <laughs> is that how things go here? I mean, just in general, I felt like, oh dear, it's so hard to teach in the States because the kids are pretty, a, a lot more challenging. It, it's like a lot of them has got this attitude. It's like, you want me to learn? Try me. <laughs> it's like, and which I didn't get. You know, we go to school to learn. And especially by the time you get into high school, you're we're thinking about college, right? Where to go. So you have a goal usually. And you are driving toward that goal and the teachers are helping you to get there. But I guess in a lot of the other students, I didn't really see that. And maybe that's why they weren't as motivated. I mean, I've seen kids 
you know, brushing their hair with like what? three or five different brushes in class. And there's this girl curling her hair in class. I mean, for me, this is me viewing it from the new girl, right. you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, Actually, I like fresh that off TV the show. boat <laughs> from, from China. <laughs> yeah. I, okay. Um, but I don't think it's very authentic, though. But anyhow, so, I mean, that part, if I were the teacher, I would be, what's the word, dumbfounded? Oh, like, well, you know, I, I, it would be very shocking. Maybe you're used to it. I'm not too sure. I have a, I have a couple comments. So on mm-hmm. the first one. I did have a a student first period of the day, she would come in and she would do her makeup. Mm. And so I let her do it because uh, although it was a little bit distracting, I didn't want to fight with her about it. Mm. And if she was doing her makeup, she wasn't bothering anybody else. (laughs) Okay. So this was right. Mm. She was just doing her own thing Mm. and she wasn't distracting others. And other kids were there learning. She wasn't reading along, but uh, we didn't fight for the whole period for a large portion of the class. Yes. And if I said, put it away, (laughs) the first thing she would do is just she would turn around and talk to the person behind her. Uh, Okay. So I was like, okay, just do it. And then I was wondering (laughs) what would happen in China if they did have a kid with uh, behavior problems? Like, what are the options? For in, in a high school classroom if a kid. Yeah, what if you get a rebel, baby? Well, I remember back in back when I was in school, well, he'll be asked to stand in the back of the class. He would still be in the class, but he would just stand in the back. <laughs> and usually then they're quiet. You know, they can't do that anymore, baby. Why? Uh, because about seven or eight or nine years ago, I was told, this was just them telling the entire staff, that standing is a form of corporal physical punishment and that the Chinese government it, had made it illegal oh, to make your <laughs> oh. students stand because that was considered like excessive or whatever so you can't do that anymore okay i've seen videos of uh, misbehaved kids sitting right next to the podium the teacher's podium oh yeah so it's like a <laughs> like a special designated desk for uh, the misbehaving student because you know he would stand out and assuming we assume that he will feel embarrassed he or she right right and then the funny <laughs> another funny part is when it comes to teacher uh, like parent conferences, you know, once a year or once a semester when all the parents go in, some of the misbehaved parents of the misbehaved students uh, would get to sit in that desk too. <laughs> wow. So <laughs> I'm not too sure if this is for every classroom. Wow. Maybe just one that's caught on video um, because it was, you know, humiliating. <laughs> yeah. So, Ricks, you're going to have to invite Billy's mom to sit, <laughs> sit right next to you. And then, I mean, you know, that that is an I'll, that is an option that I've heard students and teachers have uh, taken. Come up with. Yeah. It, the, yeah. Bring the, the parents, parents to class. Right. Because, <laughs> you know, it, it reminds me of during the COVID times as well, when a lot of teachers did get more appreciation because the kids stayed home. And the parents finally realized, oh, oh it wasn't God. all the teacher wasn't the bad guy in all those uh, parent teacher conferences. My kid was actually the serious. Bad guy. They didn't know that before. What? They did not. <laughs> and also uh, also going back to the uh, makeup uh, question, the makeup uh-huh. girl. I don't think makes up makeups are allowed in in school i don't think they are oh, you know yeah. allowed maybe, to put maybe out makeup i think it might be depending on like the school and the really and, yeah i think because i think in some parts of china like some provinces might be different i'm sorry you guys sound like you're having a lot of fun but we are out of time wait so already please, okay yeah please yeah please join us next time on the bridge where we connect east and west thank you for coming okay. on the show rick thank you rick thank you oh, thank you for inviting me Bye. yeah thank that you, was fun Jason. thank you baby Bye. thank you